you probably hear or think about almost daily. Maybe you're looking for peace this morning as you're trying to get to church, wrangle up your kids, get them dressed, arrive on time. Maybe you heard peace on the five o'clock news and the beauty pageant or a social media post of someone who may have passed away. May they rest in peace. A prayer request asking for peace and comfort for someone going through a struggle illness a divorce peace God's word has a lot to say about peace it's mentioned over 400 times probably the most famous verse is where it comes from Philippians 4 it talks about peace that surpasses all understanding we just sang about that in that last song for me about 19 years ago we lost my dad to cancer 
And during those last few weeks and days, we were praying and praying for a miracle. We're praying for a miracle of healing. We're praying for a miracle of our family. And while we didn't get the prayer answered for a miracle of healing on his body, we had healing in our family that day, restoration of relationships. We had a miracle of peace that surpasses all understanding. If you've experienced that peace, then you know you can't describe it, but you feel it. And in those moments, you can praise God because of that peace that you have. 10 years later, my mom got a diagnosis of cancer. And once again, we hit our knees and we prayed. We prayed as a family. We came together through chemo and radiation and surgery. This time we got the prayer answered of healing. We got the prayer answered of peace again. We remembered God's faithfulness and we clung to the hope and the peace that he had given us. And we can cling to that again. I wanna read a little bit more from Philippians 4 because not only is Philippians 4 talking about the peace that surpasses all understanding, but we have to understand the verses around it. It starts in verse four by saying, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all for the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Where we can see God's faithfulness in that verse, we can see God's faithfulness in our lives and we can cling to that as we hit the storms. As the waves come crashing down over us, we know that God is faithful and we don't listen to the lies of the enemy. We listen to the truth of God's word. We listen to his faithfulness as we're gonna hear today about the life of David. We look at the faithfulness of Jesus' life, the lineage of David. We can look in our own lives and see God's faithfulness. So as we close the doors on 2023, we look ahead to 2024, maybe remember God's faithfulness. Maybe we think on what is true, what is noble, and maybe we think on God's faithfulness. And may God's peace be on you this year.
glad you're all here with us this morning as we get to welcome in the new year. What a better way to celebrate it than with the family of the Lord. Um, I had a cancer diagnosis in our family this year as well, uh, not me personally, my father, and um, it happened earlier on this year, and it was a rough year for the whole family, for my mom and him especially. And uh, I'm just proud to uh, report that he had a clean pathology report last month, and so we're praising the Lord for that this year. So I know everyone in this room has a story somehow, some way that the Lord's been faithful to you, to your family this year, how he's come through for you. And I just want to spend some time this morning thinking about that. And would you just praise him for that this morning and just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for coming home, coming through for my family, coming through for me. And we're just going to talk about that this morning as we sing and continue to worship.
Well, hello, CamCC. It's so good to be here with you guys today. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Jacob Salas, and man, I am so privileged and so blessed to be called the middle school pastor here at this amazing church. Um, I, I just can't, I, I just count my blessings every single day. It's so good to be able to minister to the students here. And um, I'm excited to be with you guys here today uh, for the last few hours of 2023. How many of you guys here are excited that 2023 is done and over with? We're, we're officially in the last hours of 2023. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. There's some people that are excited like, man, 2023 has not been my year. See, I love the time of New Year's because it's a time where we get to dream up the best versions of ourselves, right? Um, we get to, uh, uh, to write down on a paper a list of things that we will never do, right? Like, I'm going to get in shape, or I'm going to read more often. I'm going to lower my screen time, right? Does, it, does, it, does that sound like somebody this morning? How many of you guys here are uh, doing New Year's resolutions? Okay, okay, a little bit more of a, you know, uh, a little bit more than the first crowd, Okay. <laughs> And so um, it's a time where we get to dream up the best versions of ourselves, right? And if you're anything like me, you have an unrealistic expectation that this night when the clock strikes midnight, right, that you're going to miraculously transform into the perfect version of yourself, <laughs> right? It's just going to happen. Like 2024, new year, new me, I'm going to be the better version of myself that I wasn't in 2024, right? Donuts and, and lazy days, that, were for 20, that was for 2023. It's 2024. It's going to be kale and a two-hour gym session every single morning, <laughs> right? Um, 2024, new year, new me. Now, we still have a few hours of 2023, so we're not going to get to our New Year's resolutions quite yet. So after service, you can find me getting tacos, okay? It's not 2024 yet, so we still got some time to splurge, right? Um, but in 2024, Jacob's going to have a six-pack. He's going to read over 100 books. He's going to read over 100 books in Jesus' name. It's going to happen. I have faith. I believe it. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not quite sure if that's how it works. Um, but um, I know that I'm not the only one who's overly optimistic in this room. According to a poll by YouGov, 37% of peop the people in this room today will have made at least one New Year's New Year resolution. And of that 37%, 48% of you will keep your New Year's resolution for the first three months of the year. And that number goes down. Uh, for the first six months, that number goes down to 21% of you guys. 21% will keep their New Year's resolution past six months, and by the time you get to the end of the year, only 8% of people will maintain their New Year's resolution. Now, um, if, that kind of, if that statistic kind of bums you out, there is one thing that you can do to increase your likelihood of maintaining your New Year's resolution. Are you guys ready for the secret? Do you guys want to know? Okay, so here, uh, according to the American Society of Training and Development, sharing your goals with someone else makes you 65% more likely to keep that goal. If you just have somebody to hold you accountable, if you have one person that you share with, it makes you 65% more likely to achieve that goal. And I don't know about you guys, but I really like those statistics. So in the spirit of being more effective in my goal setting, 
Is it all right if I, if I share my New Year's resolution with you guys? Okay, okay. Um, I'll, I'm, you know, I don't know if there was you know, an enthusiastic response, but it's all right. Um, <laughs> I'll share with you anyways. It's fine. <laughs> okay, that's more like it. I, I feel encouraged now. Right? So um, over the past week, I've really been, um, I've really been considering this thought. What kind of person do I want to be in 2024? And as I was thinking on that, on that thought, you know, of course, the, the everyday things that everybody thinks of, such as, man, I want to get in shape. I want to lose weight. I want to read more. I want to save more money this year. I want to, uh, I, I, I want to decrease my screen time on my phone. And, and all of those things came to mind. But as I began to prioritize the things that were important in my life, there was, there was one thought that kept on coming back to me. And I realized that my goal for 2024 has really been the same goal that I had since I was 13 years old. My goal for 2024 is to be all in for Jesus. My goal in life, not just for 2024, but my goal in life is to be fully and wholly committed to Christ. And I know there's some of you guys in this room today that are on board with me. You're like, amen, Jacob, I'm with you. I, I, I'm in your corner. I'm, tr I'm trying to do that too. And I thank you. I, I see you guys. You, you guys are, man, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. And maybe there's some of you here today who aren't quite there yet, who, who haven't quite decided what they're going to do, what you're going to do with this man named Jesus. And can I tell you that you're in the right place today? That even if, you, even if you're not sure you, you have that same aspiration as me to, to live for Christ more fully this year, and you haven't worked out the details, can I tell you that you're in the right place? That this is a place where people would walk beside you and help figure out those things with you? And so whether you're here today and you're on board with the mission, or you're here today and you're like, I don't know yet, this is the place for you, right? This is the, this is the place for you. And so... Um, uh, and so, guys, I, I don't know about you, but um, it's, often, it, it's often easy to get discouraged by failures and imperfections and shortcomings, yet there is, a, um, there, there is a truth and a reality to serving our God that it doesn't matter the things that we've done wrong and the ways that we've failed, we can always renew a fresh commitment to Christ, Right? And so to be completely and totally committed to Christ doesn't mean that we have to be perfect in every single way. Jesus was already that for us. And so as we aim to be, uh, to be followers of Christ, know that that's not a call to perfection, but that's a, that's a call to mission. That's a call for us to, to devote our eyes towards Jesus. And so in our text today, we're not going to find a perfect man, but we're going to find a man who is committed to God. And as we continue in our series of the book of 1 Samuel, we read about this man named David. Now, David had his shortcomings for sure. And as we progress in the series, we're going to see a lot of those shortcomings uh, actually play out as we go through the series of 1 Samuel. But today, we're going, to, we're going to read about how David prioritized God and obedience to God's word, even in the face of opposition. In short, David shows us a bit of what it looks like to be all in for God. David shows us what it looks like to be committed to Christ fully, which actually leads us to our big question for today. If we can put it up here on the screen, 
right? How do you know that you are all in for Jesus? How do you know that you're all in for Jesus? How do you know that you're fully committed to Christ? Well, as we're going to read in our text today, we're going to find out that we, that we know we are all in for God, and when we know that we're all in for God when we follow God's commands when others fear the repercussions. So how do you know if you're all in for Christ, right? You follow God's commands when the others, you follow God's commands when others fear the repercussions. You take God at his word, even if that means going against the current of culture around you. So if you, if you have a printed Bible today, I would like to invite you guys to, to turn your Bibles to, to 1 Samuel. We're going to be starting in, in chapter 23, and we're going to start in verse 1. I'd like to invite you guys to open up your, your Bibles with me. If you guys don't have Bibles, or, or maybe you don't know where 1 Samuel is, that's fine. We'll have it here on the screen for you, um, so you can read along with me. But we're going to start here in verse 1, if we can put it up here on the screen. And here's what the Word of God says. It says, now they told David, behold, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah and are robbing the threshing floors. Therefore, inquire, therefore David inquired of the Lord, shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord said to David, go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. But David's men said to him, behold, we are afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we go to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord again, and the Lord answered him, Arise and go down to Keilah, for I will give the Philistines into your hand. And David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines and brought away their livestock and struck them with a great blow. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. And when Abiathar, the son of Ahimelech, had fled to David to Keilah, he had come down with an ephod in his hand. And so we continue on in the narrative of 1 Samuel um, 23, and we find that David is on the run from a king named Saul. And it's, you know, I know what you're thinking, a fugitive, he must have done something wrong, he's a criminal, right? Um, it's actually not because David has done anything wrong, but it's simply because Saul has seen how David has become popular among the people and fears that David might lead an insurrection against him. And that David might try to take the throne for himself, right? But for those of us who, who, who've read the story and know the scriptures, we know that that's not David's heart at all, right? That's not the case. David is actually extremely loyal to the king, going so much to say to touch not the Lord's anointed, don't even lay a hand on the king, Right, And so David is extremely loyal to the king and doesn't want any problems, but Saul in his paranoia doesn't see it that way and is set out to wrongfully kill David. Now, David is on the run, right? He, he's actually, while he's on the run, um, you know, he's hiding in these caves and he actually amasses quite the following. How many of you guys here have ever met a natural born leader? Or maybe you are one yourself. That's not me. I'm not, I'm not a very good natural-born leader. But I know that there are, there are some people, when they just walk into the room, they just command attention. They're, they're just very good at getting people's attention, and people just naturally follow them. And, and David was, was just that kind of man. And so we see that David is hiding in the, caves of, the cave of Adullam, and it says that 400 men actually gathered to David. There were 400 men that were there. And now, that sounds awesome, right? 
Like how many of you guys would like, like to have like 400 cronies do all of your bidding? Right, like, you know, I got 400 men at my disposal. And so before you get too carried away and think how awesome that is, uh, I'd like you guys to consider the type of men that are following David, right? Um, so the, the men that, that David had amassed, right, um, you know, the, these men were actually like total losers, <laughs> right? They were like the rejects of society. The Bible says that everyone who is in distress, who was in debt, or bitter in soul, gathered to David. Everyone who's in distress, in debt, or bitter in soul, they gathered. So we're not talking the cream of the crop here. We're, we're, we're not, we, David isn't hanging around the A-team. He, he's hanging out with the rejects of society. So, so David is there in these, in these caves of Adullam, right? And, and uh, he's hanging around with this, this bunch of negative Nellies, right? These, these people that, just, that, that are speaking criticism and negativity. And, um, and so David is hanging around this bunch, and, and he gets the word that the Philistines were attacking the city of Keilah and robbing them for their food. See, when the Bible says that they were robbing their threshing floors, what that actually means is that they were taking their food from them. Because the threshing floor was where wheat was processed in order to make bread. And bread was the, was the common meal of the day, right? You would, bread was like all you would eat, right? Uh, if, if, you didn't, if you didn't have a whole lot of money. And so the, so the Bible, when it says that they were robbing their threshing floors, what the Bible is telling us is that the Philistines are attacking this border city. The city that's, that's all by itself along the, the, the Israeli and Philistine border. And they're taking advantage of their, um, they're, they're taking advantage of their isolation and robbing them of their food. It's like the old bully in, in school that took your lunch money. How <laughs> many you guys remember that? <laughs> and so um, I, I, I never got my lunch money stolen. I was still another people. Just kidding, I wasn't. <laughs> it looks like it though. Um, and so. And so the, the, men, the men of Philistia were stealing from the men of Keilah. Now, when a nation attacks another nation, who do you expect to respond? The leadership, right? You would expect if the country of Philistia is, is attacking the country of Israel, you would expect that the king of Israel would be up in arms and would be the one defending the city, but we actually don't see that in this case. See, um, while Saul was preoccupied with the thought of David taking his kingship away, that he was literally handing it over to David. See, it was David's responsibility, or sorry, it was Saul's responsibility to defend the city of Keilah, to be the king. Yet we see David rise up to the occasion and fulfill Saul's responsibility, right? So, so Saul, uh, not wanting David to become king, and the irony of it is, is that David is actually rising up in a kingly manner and that Saul is the one who forced his hand. Like, isn't that, is it, like how ironic is that? That, that, that Saul has, give, has essentially handed David the kingship by not acting and by uh, giving David this opportunity for him to go and do what the king should do. It's amazing what sort of things go over our heads when our priorities are misaligned, just like how Saul's priorities are misaligned in this passage. He's too preoccupied with these distractions. He's too preoccupied with his ego to see what's happening to his people. 
And so the Bible tells us that David seeks the voice of God in this situation and asks the Lord if he should go defend the city of Keilah. And just as a little aside, man, if you ever find yourself in a difficult situation or in a hard decision, it is always a good idea to seek the Lord. It's always a good idea. I can't, I can't imagine a possible situation where it's not a good idea to try to discern what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God in your life, All right? And so, um, and so uh, David consults God, right? And, and it's not really known how David consults God. This is just like a little bit of extra for you guys, right? Because um, Saul had actually killed all of the priests at the time. Talk about a contrast, right? David is seeking the voice of God and Saul is snuffing it out by killing the priest. But there are no more priests. There's only one that's left, and he's not with David. And so it's actually not known how David receives the word of the Lord because normally you would go to the priest and they would consult the Urim and the Thummim, and we're not exactly sure how that works, but it was some way to be able to discern what God is trying to speak. And so um, David actually doesn't have this. So some people uh, theorize that maybe one of the prophets was there with him, maybe uh, the prophet Nathan or Gad or, or, or one of the other prophets of the time. And so we're not exactly sure, but we see that David seeks direction from God and that God speaks to him, right? That God actually listens to David and responds to him. And the thing that I love about this is that David, when, when God gives a directive to David, David says yes. When God gives a directive to David, David says yes. Now, I'm known for being a little bit of a yes man, um, I, I, I commit myself to a lot of things. You can see me here every single day of the week involved in some ministry. And so in some ways, being a yes man is, is not healthy and it's not good. But in this case, it is. When it comes to the Lord, saying yes is always a good thing. When it comes to following the directives of God, saying yes is always the best thing that you can say. And so I love the heart of David. David says yes right? David said, David suggests, and I want you guys to remember that, that David isn't surrounded by warriors, right? David isn't surrounded by, by mighty men, right? David is surrounded by wimps, right? By the social rejects of his, of his day. He's surrounded by people that are too beaten and battered down by life to really, to really do anything about their situation. And so when David gets a word from God to fight and take back Keilah, um, fear spreads like a poison through his camp. Nobody wants to fight. They, they, they tell David, if we're scared here, hiding in the wilderness, how much more will we be terrified when we're actually face-to-face -face with real warriors, real soldiers, like a real enemy? David, we can't follow you. So in the face of, of God's directive, culture comes back to David with fear, Right? But the thing that I love about David is that David doesn't buy into what they're selling, right? Because David is all in for God. The heart of David is, if God said it, then I'm going to take him at his word and believe that what he said he would do. If God says that we're going to be victorious in battle, then I believe we're going to be victorious in battle. What an amazing heart that David is demonstrating in this passage uh, now, now listen, um, in those times, God spoke through prophets, and he, and he spoke through priests, and the Urim, and the, and, and the Thummim, and, and you know, I, I'm not going to limit God. Maybe God can speak in visions and dreams, but you know, can I tell you a for sure way that God speaks? That God speaks through this book? 
that there, there are 66 books that are written to you by God through the hands of men. And it is a sure way that you can tell the word of God. But how often do we neglect this? How often do we neglect this book because the fear that our culture is espousing to us? Because all of the excuses, right? God, I know that you told me to love my enemies, but they said, they said all these things about me behind my back. Like, I can't possibly forgive that. God, I, I know you told me to make disciples of the nations, but I'm so busy. And you know, I'm not the most eloquent of, of people. Like, maybe you can use somebody else to, to spread your gospel. See, when David was faced with the directives of God, David didn't listen to the naysayers. David didn't listen to the fear. David didn't listen to the opposition. When, cult, when the culture around David responded to God's commands with fear, David responded with obedience. And I, I love the illustration that, that Pastor Dave, that he does, if, if you guys have never seen it, um, he does this illustration where he holds the Bible up here, and he says, the Bible's up here, and we put ourselves beneath the Bible's up here, and, and I lower myself beneath the scriptures, and we see that's the heart of David in this moment, right? That David says, I'm going to trust in what God says. So how do we know that we're all in for Jesus? Well, firstly, we found that we follow when others fear, right? We follow the commands of, of, of God when others fear the repercussions. And secondly, we're gonna find that when we're all in for Jesus, if we can put up the slide, we double down on our faith when others double cross us. We double down on our faith when others double cross us. How do we know that you're all in for, for Jesus? Well, we, we, we see that we, that, we, that we remain steadfast in our faith, even in the face of betrayal. That we stay obedient to God's word even when everybody around us is not doing the same, right? And so we'll continue in verse seven, right? Um, if we can put up the passage, right? Verse seven, it says, now it was told Saul that David, David had come to Keilah and Saul said, God has given him into my hand for he has shut himself in by entering a town that has gates and bars. And, Saul's, and Saul summoned all the people to war to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. And David knew that Saul was plotting harm against him. And he said to Abiathar the priest, bring the ephod here. Then David said, O Lord, the God of Israel, your servant has surely heard that Saul seeks to come to Keilah to destroy the city on my account. Will the men of Keilah surrender me into his hand? Will Saul come down as your servant has heard? O Lord, the God of Israel, please tell your servant. And the Lord said, he will come down. And then David said, will the men of Keilah surrender me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, they will surrender you. Then David and his men, who were about 600, arose and departed from Keilah, and they went wherever they could go. And when Saul was told that David had escaped from Keilah, he gave up the expedition. And David remained in the strongholds in the wilderness, in the hill country of the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God did not give him into his hand. So we continue in this narrative here, and we see that Saul heard how David was successful in defeating the Philistines at Keilah. And rather than rejoicing and thanking God for the victory that the Lord had provided 
Saul gathers an army and makes a beeline for Keilah. Now, the city of Keilah was a gated city, so Saul's thought here is that if he sieges the city, right, then cuts off supply lines, no food or anything could get into the city, then what's going to happen is that um, either David is going to surrender or the city is going to surrender David instead. And I just love the heart of David here, right? Instead of reasoning and trying, out to, trying to weigh out his next move, he seeks direction from God. Do you guys see the pattern, right? David confronted with a, with a tough situation, seeks the direction of God. David confronted with a tough decision, seeks the direction of God. I want you guys to consider the scenario, right? David just saved these people from starvation. If I were David, I'd be thinking to myself, wow, these guys are now Team David. I just saved them. They're probably all in my camp. Like if I were to go into the banquet hall, they'd probably roll out the red carpet. They would throw a feast for me. Um, you know, I can stay a while, get the VIP treatment. I'll have a nice comfy bed, a home, uh, food prepared for me every single day. Man, it sure beats hanging around the caves and in the wilderness and, and, and traveling from place to place without uh, a home to, to, to lay my head at night. Right? But instead of, of David reasoning in himself, Instead of David going and, and thinking, okay, what are my options? Maybe we can stay here in Keilah and, and kind of ride things out. David goes to the priest and seeks the word from God and tells him that if he stays, the people of Keilah will give him up. So David doubles down on his faith. Instead of listening to human reasoning, David listens to God and obeys God when he speaks. Uh, it doesn't say it here, but I could imagine that after spending all this time in the wilderness, David was probably pretty tempted to stay in a nice, comfy city. But rather than doing what's convenient and doing what's comfortable, David trusts David trust God even when it's hurtful. Even when he has to leave the comfort of a walled city and go back into the unpleasant wilderness because the people that he stuck his neck out for were unwilling to do the same for him, David doubles down on his face and doubles, sorry, David doubles down on his faith even in the face of betrayal. And can I tell you guys that that kind of faith is contagious? I want you guys to notice that verse 13 tells us that 600 people left the city with David. Right? And why, why is that important? Why, why, why is it important that 600 people left the city with him? Well, if you guys remember just the chapter before, the Bible tells us that there were only 400 men with David in the caves of Adullam. So when he leaves, uh, when he leaves Keilah, he leaves with 200 more men. What's, what's the significance of that? Why is there 200 people that have now followed David? Why is this the case? Well, it's because crazy faith is always contagious. Crazy faith is always contagious. The people, there were people in the city that just watched David fight a battle that wasn't even his. And then he didn't even enjoy the fruit of his labor. As soon as he was done winning the battle, leaves the city and goes back to roughing it in the wilderness and that there were 200 men in the city that were inspired by it. And I want you guys to note here that the whole city was not inspired. The, the, the entire city of Kilo was not, was not inspired, but there were 200. There were a select few. Some of you guys may go into your work and you have the ambition for living for Christ and showing your faith and to make it known that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. And can I say, you're probably not gonna save everybody in, in your company. I mean, I mean, it would be great if, 
Praise God, I, I believe God can, can do amazing things, but the likelihood is that God isn't gonna save everybody, but there might be one person that says, hey, I notice you're kind of different. Maybe there's a person, uh, maybe you're, you're, you're reaching out to your neighbors and to your block, and, and maybe your whole, you know, your whole block won't come to Jesus, but maybe there's one neighbor that says, there's something different about you. You have a faith that's so crazy. Something uh, like you trust in God even when things are terrible. You, like when your day is going bad, you still have the joy of the Lord. Tell me what's your secret. Can I go to church with you? Can I learn more about this Jesus? See, our, can, our faith when it is sold out for Jesus is contagious and not everybody's gonna be moved by it, but you guys live a faith that is, that, that is committed to Christ. People are gonna see that and they're gonna follow, Right? And so we see that 200 extra men joined David at Keilah, but it's not all of the men, and so the betrayal still stings. And if you're anything like me, you're probably thinking to yourself, how ungrateful can these people be? David just saved them, and they're willing to give him up? The people of Keilah were, were willing to surrender their Savior, they were willing to take their deliverer, to their, they were willing to take their deliverer and deliver him in the hands of his enemy. And you may think to yourself, like, I would never do that. I would never be like the, the people of Keilah. I would never spit in the face of the man who saved me. But how often do we do the same? The people of Keilah were unwilling to give up, the people of Keilah were willing to give up their savior, David. But how, will, but how are we willing in our lives to give up our savior, the son of David? How often do we shy away from religious conversation at work because we don't want people to think differently of us? How often do we ignore the prompting of the Holy Spirit when he's telling us to share the gospel with that barista that we see every single morning, but we don't want to seem like that weird Christian, so we ignore the calling of God in our lives because we don't want to seem weird. We don't want to seem out of place. Can I tell you that if you're going to follow Jesus, that if you're gonna be all in for God and trust his word like David, then you're gonna to have to be a little bit weird. You're gonna to have to be a little bit countercultural. There's gonna be times where culture and reason, where, where the culture and the reason of the day would sway you in one direction, but God is telling you to go in a completely other direction. Which brings us to our big idea, if we can put it up here on the screen. When it comes to the word of God, and the ways of man, I, I choose to trust in the word of God. When it comes to the word of God and the ways of man, I choose to trust in the word of God. I choose to trust in God. I choose to trust in his promises, in his word. I choose to trust in him over the reasoning of this world. When David was faced with the culture of fear around him, he was still obedient to the directive of God. When David was confronted with the betrayal of those whom he saved, he maintained his faith. In our lives, God has called us to obedience, even in the face of opposition. I've never seen this reality so clearly presented than in the life of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Many of you guys may know who this great man of God was, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a faithful preacher in Nazi Germany. Many of you guys know him from his classic work, The Cost of Discipleship, 
a book considered by many to be a modern theological classic. However, what Dietrich is most known for isn't writing in theory the price of following Christ, but living in horrific reality the cost of being a true disciple of Jesus. Dietrich understood what it meant to stand up for God's word in a culture that had veered desperately away from Christ. Dietrich was so convinced that God called every nation and every tribe and yes, every skin color to be partakers in God's varied grace. In a time where deep Christian segregation was, was a thing that was commonplace, where preachers said that, that, that people of color and people that were of Anglo uh, background couldn't meet together, Dietrich found himself in the chapels of many black churches in the United States. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer would take this further when he traveled back to his home country of Germany during the rule of Adolf Hitler. Dietrich preached against anti-Semitic and racial ideologies of the Nazi regime, and that position would cause him to be imprisoned. Even with the threat of death, Dietrich continued to proclaim the good news that Jesus not only died for the white European man, but the colored man and the Jewish man alike. For Dietrich's obedience to the saving gospel of Jesus, he was sentenced to death. And on April 9th, 1945, at dawn, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was hung for his faithfulness to the cause of Christ. See, when the culture and voices of those around Dietrich urged him to disobey the command of scripture, Dietrich chose death rather than disobeying the directives of God. I'd like to ask you guys, where do you struggle? Where do you struggle with submitting yourself under God's word? If you're going to follow this book, what that means is that you're going to be at odds with the culture around you. You're going to be at odds with the society that you live in. So, what's it going to be? Am I going with the culture? Am I living like everybody else? Or am I placing myself underneath this? Am I placing myself underneath the word of God? Maybe you struggle to trust God with your finances. You read all the passages how there is blessing for those who are generous. That maybe it might not be a material blessing that's coming back to you, but that there is spiritual blessing and, and, you, and you struggle to, uh, to, to give up that, that part of yourself because you know I, I love all of my stuff and, and I know that, that I have bills to pay and I have things I wanna do, I have a vacation I wanna go on next year and, and God is calling you to be more generous with your money because it says it here in this book. Or maybe you're holding on to unforgiveness and you've read the, you've read the scriptures, you've read the directives in the, in the Bible, the, the, the commandments from Jesus to turn the other cheek and to love your neighbor and to bless those who curse you, but you are just so, uh, you, you are just so filled with, with, with bitterness and, and unforgiveness that you say, I don't know if I can give that to Jesus. Can I tell you that his directives, that his commandments are sweeter, that they are better? that they are more good for you? Let's go ahead and seek God in prayer today, church. Lord, I'm, I'm so amazed by this man that we call the man after God's own heart, David. A man who was, who was so flawed, 
Lord, I don't think I've, I, I've done half the, uh, as bad as David, but also I don't think, Lord, that, I've, uh, that I have even a tenth of the heart that he has. A heart that when faced with the, the fear and the, uh, the opposition of his culture, of all the people around him, he didn't play into the, into the negativity, but rather he, 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 he rested and put his faith in the word of God and said, God, if you said it, I'm going to believe it and I'm going to do it. Lord, and I realize today God, that the same struggle that the men who were with David, the same fear that they had when they listened to the directives of God wasn't, isn't just a 3,000 years, years ago issue, but it's a right now in 2023 going into 2024 issue. God, it is hard to go against the stream and follow your word. God, it is hard to submit myself under the scriptures, but there is blessing in it. So Lord, I pray for every single person under, under my voice today, Lord, every single uh, man, woman, and child, Lord, who is considering in their heart, do I, do I submit myself to the word of God or do I go my own way? Lord, I pray, Jesus, that you would show yourself, Lord Jesus, that you would show your word to be better. God, that you would give us strength to be able to follow your directives, even in times, God, of opposition. Even when we're, when we're faced with the, the naysayers and the negativity and the betrayals, Lord Jesus, let us, God, I pray that we would, uh, that we would hold ourselves underneath your word and that we would know that your blessing is great, Lord. It's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. That's our middle school pastor, Jacob Salas. Not only ministering to students, uh, I've watched him. I, when I take a Sunday off, I'll go over there and watch him preach and use that same passage for our middle school kids, but also ministering to us adults. Uh, do you know what I was doing when I was 28, 29 years old? I was a middle school pastor. And every once in a while, my lead pastor would let me teach on Sunday mornings. And uh, who knows what the Lord will do with you, Jacob, in 20 years. But we're, we're seeing God's hand on you, and we appreciate your passion. Um, listen, uh, we are coming to the end of the year. Uh, take it easy tonight out there. And uh, it's the end of the year. It's uh, December 31st. Um, if you are hoping to... Uh, give an offering to the Lord that you could attribute to the year 2023. You'll need to do that today. Today will be the last day that we will um, take in gifts for 2023. And of course, the uh, uh, mid to end of January, we'll send out little letters letting you know um, what the Lord did through you, uh, through the vehicle of, of Camarillo Community Church. And uh, you can use that for your purposes. Uh, there's three ways to give. Uh, we give to God out of the, a wholeness of our heart of joy because he's given us everything we have and a way to show him that it's all yours, we give a portion back. I guess God could, if he wanted to, require it all back, but he doesn't. He just, just show me that you have no other God beside me. Show me that I'm your only God, and the way you do that is through giving some back. And so if you're a believer in the room, that's why we give back to God. That's why we worship him in this way, because we're showing him that you're my real God. And so uh, if you're new to us, we always like to say, please don't feel obligated to give. There may be a day where you, where you will give and you'd want to do that, and, uh, and that'll be wonderful. But right now, we'd like to give you a gift. 
Uh, we'd like to say welcome to our church, welcome to the family. If you leave today on the left-hand side, there'll be people there. You say, I'm new, and they'll help you out, and we have some gifts for you. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you your first Bible. Don't feel obligated right now on this at this, at this point to give, um, that's for us who understand the gospel and want to give out of a loving, worshipful, attributing worth to God, this is yours. Uh, you are my God, nothing else. And so um, with that, if you would remember us this year end, that'd be awesome. We would greatly appreciate it. I think there was a screen up there that showed you three different ways to give while I was talking. And so thank you for your gifts. We receive no public dollars. And so everything you see here, literally everything you see here is on the backs of generous people who love the Lord and want to see the gospel continue to flourish. And so with that being said, um, I forgot to do this. So let me pray over the offering. I forgot to do this morning. Let me pray. Father, we do ask you that you would uh, superintend all the gifts that come our direction and that you would have in mind purposeful ministries and places that they would go, the people would be reached, the gospel would continue to flourish, the people's eyes would be open to you and your ways. I love the word that came through our pastor Jacob today. We can choose the way of this world. We can choose to follow the words of man or humanity, or we can choose to follow the word of God. We are better off when we choose to follow the word of God. Help us do that and help us promote that to others as well. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. With that being said, I do need to bring you up to date on a couple things that we have going on internally in our church. And uh, because of the nature of things, I wrote some, some stuff down that I'd like to read just to make sure I get every detail as accurate as possible, if that's okay with you guys. So let me, let me read this to you. Dear church, it's time to make you aware uh, of happenings on our pastoral staff team that are about that are both exciting and yet bittersweet at the same time. Many of you have been positively impacted by the over 20 years of ministry that Pastor Jim Moyer has contributed to us here at CamCC. His impact and legacy has been immense, and I'm excited to share with you about past, where Pastor Jim has felt the Lord drawing him towards in his next step for his ministry. Pastor Jim Moyer has accepted the position of executive director working alongside our pastor emeritus, Ralph Rittenhouse, in a worldwide discipleship organization called GDI, which stands for Global Discipleship Initiative. His ministry will, uh, this ministry will train folks stateside and abroad in the realm of intentional and relational discipleships. And while we're excited for his new venture with, his, with this great organization, it does mean that he'll be stepping aside from his pastoral responsibilities here at Camarillo Community Church as of January 31st, 2024. As you can well imagine, once we heard of this opportunity for Jim to move forward in this journey, we quickly flipped toward how our church could come alongside and support such a thing. We'll be celebrating Jim, his 20 years of service at Camp CC on Saturday, January 27th, 2024, in the Fellowship Hall. We'll be inviting any and all that have been impacted by him and his ministry and want to celebrate Jim and his family with us at this event. We'll provide a meal, share memories, and ask those present to consider contributing to his support-raising efforts as he becomes our commissioned missionary to GDI. And yes, we will continue to license him as a minister uh, of Camarillo Community Church. 
We at CamCC are excited for Jim and his new adventure and even more excited that he intends to remain here as part of the family at CamCC. We will have a time of celebration, commissioning, laying on of hands for him in January prior to his transition. We also plan to announce to the church what kind of parting gift we intend to give him and his wonderful wife, Gail, as they transition to this new adventure together. Be here on Saturday and Sunday, January 27th and 28th for that, please. Kenny, myself, and the elders are already in the process of reconfiguring and reorganizing staff and responsibilities in order to make sure that nothing is dropped ministry-wise in the short-term future. Jim leaves a void, but our team is up for the task, and I trust Kenny immensely to oversee the transition. So please see to that you spend some time this month, this next four weeks, lavishing praise, thanks, and adoration to both Pastor uh, Jim and his entire family. That does seem to be like the door opening to the will of God for Jim and his ministry moving forward. And we want to uh, kind of fan the flame in that. So we're very exciting for him. We will say thank you now, and we'll be saying thank you for the next four weeks, celebrating together what God has for Pastor Jim and his family. So when you see him, make sure you lavish praise on to him. With that being said, would you take a look at the screens as we look at the video for this week? Hi CamCC, I'm Miranda Morris and I am part of the high school ministry at CamCC. We meet on Wednesday nights at 7pm. You should come check it out. If today is your first time with us, we're glad you're here. If it's your second time, I'm so glad you're back. If you are a first time guest, we have a $5 Starbucks gift card for you. Fill out our connection card and take it to the welcome counter in the lobby or scan this QR code with your phone's camera and let us know you filled it out digitally. Also add how we can be praying for you as well. If this is your second visit, let us know at the counter and you'll get a $10 gift card to In-N-Out Burger. We will also invite you to our all-you-can-eat dessert with our pastors, elders, and staff. Online viewers go to campcc.net slash next steps to go through the guest process. Sunday, January 14th, 3.30 to 5 p.m. First Impressions Team Dessert. Are you looking for a place to serve? We need you. As construction begins, it is crucial that we have enough volunteers to welcome and guide our guests. Show up at the video venue at 3.30 p.m. to learn more or email kelly at campcc.net for info. The week of January 21st, growth groups begin. If you are looking for a way to connect with other people at CampCC on a smaller scale for just eight weeks, this is an amazing way to do life together. Sign up today. Childcare is available. Email lisa at campcc.net for more info. Saturday, January 27th, 3 to 5 p.m., recipe exchange for young families. Bring your family's favorite recipes of the video venue to share, enjoy a craft, devotion, and free play. For more info, contact Chelsea at youngfamilies@camcc.net. Saturday, January 27th, 6 to 8 p.m. Join us in the Activity Center as we honor Pastor Jim Moyer's 21 years of service to the Lord and find out about his next steps in ministry. Please RSVP no later than January 19th to Michelle at camcc.net. Sunday, January 28th, One Voice Worship Night. Come worship with us and several other churches as we take communion together and pray for our city as one church here at CamCC. To stay in the loop of what is going on at CamCC, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more info on any of these events, go to CamCC.net. My name is Angela Luz and I am a worship leader here at KMCC and I'm also part of our prayer team who will be up here at the end. I just want to say thank you again to Jacob for this 
great message today. I know I have a son in middle school who he just pours into and he's lucky enough to spend time with and, and be taught by him each week. But what, a, what great reminders we had today from uh, David's story um, and just how God was faithful time and time again. And each time um, David responded um, by praying out to God, calling out to God and um, clinging to that victory that he had received from the past this morning we'd love for you guys to grab a donut and some coffee and hang out on the patio um, we're going to have our prayer team come up here at this time so if you need some prayer or something going on in your life um, somebody to speak with we will be here for you and happy new year everybody